Greetings, Nexus Church family online. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you are a first-time listener today or viewer, it's an honor that you would join us. And we are so excited for what God has for us today in our worship service. Today we will begin with one song to prepare us for the message that will be delivered. And then we will close down the service with a song of reflection And so we will open up today in a word of prayer, and then we will go right into our worship set. Father, thank you so much for today. I thank you for those who are listening, Father. I pray that you will speak to their minds and their hearts, God, that you will be right now preparing them, God, for what you have. And I thank you, God, that you're a living God. You're a God that cares. You're a God that loves each and every one of us. And so as we go into this time of worship, as we sing this song, may you be glorified and may you do a great work in each viewer's lives. In Jesus' name. It's the song of the redeemed rising from the African plain. It's the song of the forgiven drowning out the Amazon rain. The song of Asian believers filled with God's holy fire. It's every tribe, every Singing glory 
Nexus Church family online. I'm so glad that you could be with us today as we finish off our series on looking into what makes a healthy family. Now again, whether you have a biological family that you're looking to make healthy or a work relationship, it could be a neighborhood, it could be even a friend, whatever you're looking at to get healthy in your relationship. Today, we are finishing off with our final week in this series. Over the course of this series, we've talked about what it means to embody trust, what it means to have humility, to have mercy, and last week we talked about generosity. These four things are absolutely crucial to having a healthy family, and in fact, I know there could be a lot more, but particularly these four, I believe, are all centered around what it means to be a healthy family, particularly trust. Everything comes back to trust. Can you be trustworthy? Well, this week, we come to our final session, and, and it's about one that maybe some of you wouldn't necessarily consider important, and that being excellence. Now, what comes to mind when you think of excellence in a relationship? Uh, for some people, they, they automatically jump up for joy, and they're like, yes, I want excellence in everything in life. Excellence is a high priority to many people in our society. But for some people, maybe like myself, you've had run-ins with success. Maybe somebody you know and love or somebody you've worked for was a person of excellence. And though maybe they weren't excellent all the time, they made themselves appear to be excellent and so excellence can run the gamut. Excellence is, a, is an issue even theologically in the theological circles. Uh, some people, they just cannot stand the term excellence because, well, we can't be excellence. And people who do try to be excellent, again, make it about appearance and it f turns into this form of legalism. And so excellence can be a bad thing, but ultimately today we want to talk about how excellence can be a good thing when it comes to God and His people. 
excellence truly is something God is. He is perfect. And we, as we understand through the Bible, are called to be excellent. So we're going to take a, a look into that in today's message and, and unpack how can we be excellent or at least work towards excellence. Now, this is something that I myself have struggled with over the years. As I alluded to earlier, many people, they like to look like they've got it all together. And I've struggled with this over my life, and, and I've worked hard to, to make myself look good. And so excellence has become about what I appear to be like less than what God wants to be glorified with. And so it's been a struggle for myself where, is it me or is it for God? And I think some people might understand that when it comes to how we live for God and what people think of us in, in the church world and why so many people maybe get turned off from the church is because people make themselves appear to be something that they're not. And so we want to wipe away those things. We don't want to be excellent just for appearance. We want to be excellent because we want our whole life to model after our Savior. And so what does God say about excellence? Well, first we have to understand that we, in our own flesh, our own abilities cannot attain excellence. No matter how hard we try, we will always, at least on earth, fall short. We read this in Isaiah 64, 6, where the writer so perfectly says, we are all infected and impure with sin. We all fall short, right? When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. As Paul would say in Romans, oh, we all sin and fall short of God's standard. We cannot attain perfection on our own. In God's eyes, in our own abilities, we are filthy rags. But because of Jesus and what he's done for us, we now have an appearance of perfection with God because he was perfect. We read this in Ephesians chapter 2. And particularly, we, we see this in verses 1 through 9. And today I would like to read to you what Jesus has done for us. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to them. And we're going to see how Jesus, the word imputes is what we use for it, but in, in another way, in another way of saying it, he puts into our lives or puts over us his perfection. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians 2. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. Think about that. We all 
are fallen. Every single one of us, every person who's ever lived and ever will live is fallen short. We are imperfect. But God, verse 4, who is rich in his mercy because of his great love that he has for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses, you are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seats us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is a gift from God. Not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Such a powerful passage that, oh, I would love to spend this time just digging into all the implications, but, but to really just bring out the point today. We are made perfect in God's eyes. As far as our salvation is concerned, all he sees is Jesus in us, right? Our standing with him for all of eternity is excellent. Yet, we still live in the flesh. Though, as far as our spirit's concerned, We are saved, we are made perfect, yet in our flesh, in our day-to-day, we still fall short. We are not excellent or perfect in God's eyes as far as how our day-to-day is concerned. We still make mistakes, right? If only we could wake up when we were saved and we were perfect and the world could see us as truly Jesus sees us, that would be awesome. But in this world, what they see is imperfection. And so we are called to excellence. Our flesh is a work in progress. Listen to what Paul says again in verse 10 of Ephesians 2. He says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of of time for us to do. We are God's workmanship. He created us. And the last time I checked, God doesn't create junk. Right? You are his perfect workmanship. He has, from the beginning of time, his people, this human race was created for excellence. It was the pinnacle of his eye. When, when he got done creating mankind, he said it was very good. We are the prized creation. Above it all, you are created for excellence. To do good work. But not only has he given you this call for, for good works, for excellence in how you do your daily life and your, your actions, how you treat people, how you, how you work at, at your job or how you do your homework or how you work for your tests or how you practice for your, your team. Not only does he call us to good works, but he calls us to good thoughts, excellent thoughts. 
In Hebrews 6, verses 1 through 3, we read, So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understandings. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from the evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and the eternal judgment. And so God willing, we will move forward toward further understanding. You see, God just doesn't call us to excellence in, in our actions. He calls us to excellence in our understanding, in our thoughts. That we are to take every thought captive and to give it to God and to think about good things. And I'm so excited for our next series. We're going to be talking about our mind and how we are called to excellence in our mind. How, how to have healing in our minds and how to have the mind of Christ. You see, God calls us to be excellent. And here's what I love about this. You see, when we are excellent, we bring glory to God. You see, our lives represent Him. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 puts it this way. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Our excellence reflects God's glory. And he further says in Colossians 3, 23 and 24, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. That's so good. How we work, the excellence that we put forth in our actions and in our thoughts, they, they portray how we truly view God, how much of Him we have living in us. It brings Him glory. It brings Him joy. But not only does it bring God glory and bring Him joy when His people give forth the greatest effort they can, Right? It's, it's not perfection. It's the greatest effort you can with what you have in the season you're living. We want to give our best to God. But not only does our actions bring Him glory, but it brings others to faith in Jesus. Let's read 1 Peter 2 verses 9 through 12. In 1 Peter, we have a lot of teaching that comes forth in so many different ways. And, and this one in particular, we come back to quite a bit. Because Peter's really trying to drive this thought home in this passage. And he says in verse 9, but you are a chosen race. Man, that means you're excellent. A royal priesthood a holy nation, a people for his own possession, so that you may proclaim the praises, right? What we just said. Your life brings glory and praise and worship to God. He continues on. So that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, right? We were not a people. We were not God's chosen people. 
Every single one of us came to faith at some point in our life. We turned from our old life and we turned to Jesus and said, you are now the leader of my life. I no longer have control. I'm giving it to you. You once were not one of his people, one of his chosen, one of his prized possessions. But now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And then he says this, dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles, right? We're not part of this world anymore. We're living in this temporary home, right? To abstain from sinful desires that wage war against your soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles, those who are not part of God's chosen people, but he longs for them to be. So that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day he visits. I don't understand the fullness of what that is saying today because we don't understand every piece of scripture. But what I can understand from that is when we are excellent and when we work for good thoughts and good actions, the world will see it. And someday, someday, it will bring them to the throne room and they will worship God. Our actions reflect upon the unsaved. And it influences them. And the more we become like Jesus, though they may reject us, like this verse says, though they may say, man, you guys are weird. You live a different lifestyle. What you say and what you believe are just not what... I'm about, but man, you sure do treat people well. Man, you sure are kind and loving and generous and forgiving. Man, you try really hard to do good, to be excellent, to keep your house looking the best you can. You are different, and they take notice. There's a powerful example of this in the Old Testament in the book of Daniel. And if you, if you want to read the first few chapters of Daniel, man, you, you, you get a whole gamut of men who were excellent in how they lived. Like crazy excellent. Like I wish I could someday be half of what these men were. You have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then you have this man, Daniel, who did absolutely unbelievable things for God. And so he worked hard to set himself apart, to eat only things that were, were like really pure. And he continuously spent time praying. He continuously spent time alone trying to focus on God. And people took notice, right? These people who were his slave owners, right? Like Babylon came in and took Israel into captivity. He was one of the people that they took into captivity to be amongst, you know, the king, who was in charge and to serve the king. But as the king saw the life of Daniel and, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he took notice. And listen what happened. Daniel soon, this is Daniel chapter 6, verse 3. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. He was the servant of them all. And soon the king takes notice of David says he is above all of them. His wisdom, his work effort, like he's above them all. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. A slave 
from a foreign land that was obliterated. The king takes notice and is set to put a foreigner in charge of his whole entire empire. That is what we're talking about today. Your excellence matters. Your excellence matters in all of life. Your personal relationship with Jesus and your evangelism. What people see of you. You don't need to be this massive communicator of God's truth to make a difference in this world. You can live a life that's separate and holy and excellent for those to take notice. It matters. It matters. Our pursuit of excellence reflects the glory of God and ultimately brings Him glory. Now, I want to remind you today that we are not called to be perfect. Only God is perfect. And because of God being perfect through Jesus, we now are seen through the eyes of the Father as perfect as far as salvation is concerned. We're not going to be perfect on earth. We will be perfect when we get to heaven and we get our new bodies and, and all the sin that surrounds us is, is thrown into hell and we are now in God's presence in heaven where there's perfection. So we won't be perfect. We can't have this mindset that we will do everything absolutely perfect all the time. But we are called to excellence, to do the best we can with what we have, where we're at. And so my heart for you today is not to become legalistic, but to have a heart that longs to please your Father. Not looking at others, not comparing yourself to others, but truly just you and Jesus saying, I want to do the best I can for you. I want to be merciful as you were merciful. I want to have a love for others like you had a love for others. That is the heart God is looking for. Well, as we close our time together and the worship team closes us down with one last song, I want to share with you a thought from Andrew Murray. And he powerfully said, the world asks, what does a man own? Whereas Christ asks, how does he use it? See, that's, that's where the rubber meets the road. We're all in different places. And I don't want you to walk out of this message today thinking, oh man, I, I'm never going to match up to anybody. I'm never going to amount to anything. I, I, excellence is so far from me. I'm a failure. I, I try to do good and I just, I come back again and again and again to this, I'm not good enough. We're not asking you to be good enough. We're asking you to take a look at what you have and do the best you can with what you have. And God will be glorified. God will be glorified. Father, I thank you for this, this message, Father. This message isn't to condemn or to put a person down. God, this message is to help us to, to see right where we're at and do the best we can and ultimately to remember that you didn't leave us powerless. You gave us the Holy Spirit to empower us to do good works. And so, Father, you haven't left us empty-handed to fight this battle alone. You gave us your presence in us to empower us. 
And so I pray that as people turn off this message today, God, that they will be reminded that you love them so much that you just didn't call them to a holy life. You empowered them to a holy life. And so I pray for your people now that they will go away encouraged and challenged to live a life that brings you glory and helps others to come to understand your great love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Nexus Church Family Online, for joining us again this week. And I'll so look forward to you next week when we turn a page to a new series that I'm so excited to share with you. We'll see you then.
God Almighty, great. 